everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm so glad that you are here with us. This is the second in our sort of new conversational mode for the podcast. And I have to say that I am really kind of digging how it's coming together. And the feedback that you guys gave on the last episode with Laura Hanlon was so wonderful. And I was so happy to hear everybody going and listening to her music that really made her feel amazing and really made me feel like I was doing a good job of bringing you fun and exciting new things. This week, we are going to start on our first two-part series where it is the same guest back-to-back. And there's a reason for this, and I've always wanted to try doing this. One of the things that I had promised myself that I wanted to promise you was that if a conversation was going well, I didn't want to just stop. I wanted to see what we had, where we could go with this. And what I found in talking to my friend Kristen, who is this week's guest, that our conversation morphed halfway through. And when I listened to it back, I said, here are two completely different conversations that I can share with the audience. So my friend Kristen, you may know if you follow my essays on Medium at all. I wrote about her about a week ago when I wrote about my experience with trying to use the meet cute as a way to revolutionize my dating life, which did not work for me as Kristen and I are going to talk about, and which is something that has not worked for her. And we are going to dissect that and try and figure out how and why with the beautiful end result though, being that she and I became friends because we both shared the same philosophy about trying to move out of our single space And we ended up with a wonderful friendship. And if that is the bonus that comes out of this experiment that I tried in my life, that is a wonderful bonus. So if you know me at all, you know I'm a glasses half full. I am a silver lining person. I am freakishly and undyingly optimistic. And this just kind of falls right in line with that. So the first part of this series, Kristen and I are sitting down talking about what it has been like for us trying to meet people organically. Because if you are a single person, you know that at some point somebody has commented on your singlehood in terms of, you just need to put yourself out there. And I hate that. And I just, first of all, don't even know where out there is because I live out there. I do all of the things all of the time. And it did not warrant results that necessarily were conducive to me not being a single person and being part of a couple. So if you are a married person or a coupled person, perhaps that's been your perspective, that you have offered that advice to someone. I find that that usually comes from people who have been part of a couple for 15 years or more, who have met their partner organically in person because that was the only way that it was possible to meet people. So Kristen and I are going to talk today about our experiences in being out there in the world and taking that advice, what it's like, and what we've learned from that. And then next week, we're going to have a follow-up conversation because, as I mentioned in this part, the day that we did the interview, Kristen decided to download a dating app, which is a huge move for her. 
So we are then going to shift into the real life meeting people organically did not work. Now there's a shift in gears. I shifted my gears a little bit ago. She's now shifting her gears. And what are we doing in the online dating space in order to save our sanity and to come out of it with results that are positive instead of frustration? And that is just a lot for us to work through trying to set some intentions. So I definitely want to bring you along on that, especially if you have vacated the online dating space or jumping back in. Some of the conversation that Kristen and I have that you'll hear next week is really a wonderful foundation for how to go into it with the right mindset. And you get to see her actually process that. And we also do a little work on writing Kristen's online profile, which is super fun. So again, my dear friend, Kristen, I hope that you love her like I do. And you can sense her vulnerability and her softness. And at the same time, there is this wonderful hope that you hear evolve throughout this episode. As always, we love when you can share this episode or any other episodes with friends or other people that might enjoy the podcast. That is the number one way that podcasts grow is through words of mouth. Be sure to follow on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. If you can go and rate and review the podcast, that helps immensely too, because that's how all of the different platforms find new shows to send out to people who might like it. Let me introduce you to my friend, Kristen, who is going to start by telling you about the day that she and I met when she was having brunch with her sister and I was being a total freaking nerd with my laptop. I was with my sister. She left. You and I started chatting because you had your computer open at the bar. And I said, like are I'm you a writer? Yes, I am. Because <laughs> I was oddly reading over your shoulder on what you were writing. So, which was about dating. Which was about dating and the meet cute. Uh-huh. Was it really? Was mm-hmm. I writing about the meet cute? You were cute? writing about the meet cute. That is. At that point in time. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because you and your sister were there. And there was a guy that was sitting across the bar from us. Yes. That you had referred to earlier. What did you refer to him as? Surfer dude. Surfer dude. He was kind of a surfer dude. He was a surfer dude. So there's Kristen and I and her sister sitting at the bar. Um, I'm writing about the meat cute. Kristen's sister is trying to make the meat cute happen. Mm-hmm. Right? With yep. guy across the bar. The surfer dude across the bar, yeah. Yeah, which we, the three of us watched this guy. Yes. At the bar. And when we, first of all, before anybody comes out of the woodwork and starts down the path of, well, if you want to meet a guy, then don't hang out at bars because that's seedy. Let's just set the tone right now. I don't consider our favorite place a bar. No, it's more like my neighborhood family. Right. It is, um, they have an outdoor section because we live in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so... That is the home of every beautiful outdoor patio that's existed in the world. So it's got an outdoor patio. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like if I sit at a restaurant, if I go to a restaurant by myself, mm-hmm. I don't want to sit at a table. No. Right. I want to sit, I want at, to sit at a bar because I'm less conspicuous as being alone. 
Oh, I never even thought about that. Is the conspicuousness of it. I just There's just something about saying table for one versus just sitting at the bar. Oh, that's interesting. I've always thought about it as there's only so much time that I can sit staring off into space while I eat a meal. Right? Like if I go out to dinner by myself and I sit at a table, I have no one to interact with Correct. unless somebody comes and fills my water glass. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm just, I'm just sitting there by myself in total isolation. I want the community of sitting at a bar. So when we talk about the fact that we're sitting at the bar, we are in an outdoor patio mm-hmm. where there is a huge outdoor bar space. So it's not that we're sitting at a bar, we're sitting at a restaurant that is nice, that has an outdoor bar. Right. You're not talking about the dingy, indoor, right. dark, dank, right. mold infested. You're talking beautiful trees, beautiful foliage, lots of pets, lots of children. Yeah, I felt like the need to clarify that because I get that a lot when I talk about going out into public and dining by myself and not sitting at a table, sitting at a bar. People come at me hard with, well, you're never going to meet someone. So this is also the demographic of the restaurant is our age. So we are in our um, middle age years. Mm -hmm. So we are post 45, um, which I consider to be dating, which I think everybody considers once you hit 45 is middle age, right? So we are middle-aged daters. Um, So a lot of the other people that go there are sort of our demographic. They're our people, right? Which brings us back to the surfer dude. Yes. He was very attractive. He He was very attractive. I would say probably maybe early 50s. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Who then was garnering the attention from every woman at the bar, the outdoor bar. Do you remember that? I do. Because the ladies next to, next to us were talking mm-hmm. about him. Yep. There were the ladies that were across from us who were talking to him. Mm-hmm. And then there's your sister. Yes. Who didn't, she went up and talked to him. Yes. She did. And when I left, you went over and talked to him. I did. So how did your potential meet cute go, friend? It did not go anywhere. Yeah. He was more interested in the pet he brought with him mm-hmm. than any of us. Oh, interesting. Which probably like made him more desirable to like half the women. Like probably. So Kristen and I are actively involved in trying to do the meet cute. And the only thing that comes out of that is our fantastic friendship. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So after a couple times we exchanged numbers and now we organize ourselves to meet up for brunch together in an organized manner. As well as other spots. <laughs> right, right. And we go to the we go to the, the to our wine club. Yeah. I totally corralled Kristen into a wine club. And so yeah, so we just do all sorts of fun things now, which I will say, and I said in my article, if that was the great thing that I got out of nine months of Meet Cute, sister friend, you are worth it. Well, I agree completely. Because if it weren't for you, you you were the first non-family member that I met here after I moved here. Cause I've really? only been here about a year and a half. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So, so much of our conversation has been about our single space. Yes. Because I and think both of us have just tried to figure this out. So tell for, I know your story. Some of us it. further along than others. Yeah. Well, and some of us have been through more stuff than others and different stuff. Mm-hmm. And every, that's, I think the universality of it is, mm-hmm. 
Everybody has their stuff, male or female, young or old, or whatever the case may be. We all have our stuff. So tell us your story a little bit about where you are in your dating realm. It's funny you should say that. So in the past, I was married, mm-hmm. got divorced, and then my sister, who also had gone through a divorce, she was on social dating. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. It was just... What's the year? Give me some context. So that would have probably been around, I'm going to say 2012. Okay. And I went, she's like, just go out as much as you can. You never know. I mean, I was like, oh boy, okay. So I remember one day specifically, I had brunch with one, I had breakfast with one man, lunch with another man, and dinner with a third. Three different in one day. Oh my God. I I can't. And by the end of the day, I was just exhausted. Yeah. Not because it was a long day, but it is exhausting. Mm Mm-hmm. To go out there and have to tell your story and to have to answer questions and how to do this and how to look pretty for this person, but not wear the same thing for the next person. And how, I mean, it was disgusting. I was like, are you kidding me? So I, third date, three dates. And I mean, I hate to say this. I actually had a form. Thank you for the date. Can't see it. Like I have. Like a cut and paste text. Um, I remember one specific time gentleman and I really connected when we chatted, texted. Perfect, right? He, we met for dinner. He showed up with 30 fingernails. I know how you feel about that. Unless you're a mechanic, mm-hmm. no reason to have dirty fingernails. Mm. He was not a mechanic. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. No. So I've also gone out with folks that we connected for a lot on chats and texts and conversations on the phone, hours, hours long. So that was your first foray into, did it ever get better for you? So I ended up meeting someone very charming. We had a lot of the same likes, movies, theater, um, music, golf. Uh, we, we had a lot of same likes. Um, knew he had been married before. He had a son. And that didn't bother me and ended up by the end of it, we were just at different spots in our lives. So, and this was actually the last time I physically dated anyone. Really? Anyone. So when it was over, you know, I just explained we're at different aspects, we're at different spots in our lives. Mm -hmm. Nothing Um, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Didn't hold it against him, would have been his friend, but we just weren't at the point of where he thought we were. Part of that turned me off was we went somewhere and probably very flippantly as he saw someone he knew, he did remodels on houses Mm -hmm. and introduced me to the flooring guy of, this is my fiance. That is not something you can ever introduce me as. No way, Jose. But, and so there was no jewelry involved. There was no consent to the title of no. just out of the blue, this is my Out of the clear blue. Okay, I'm sorry, that's weird. Clear blue, right? Also figured out through that whole experience, quite the narcissist. I had to 
I didn't get to see my friends. I didn't do as much with my family. I, but it was so claustrophobic yeah. that I felt like I didn't even have the right to be me. Interesting. Like on an internal basis as well, or as into like- the point, the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I, my skin crawled. How long did you see each other? It was slightly less than a year okay. till I broke it off. And boy, did I learn a lesson the hard way. Yeah. I was basically called the root of all evil. I was responsible for things in his family life that I had never been involved in. I was the cause of them. Um, I used to travel to visit family and this person, I would give a key and they would come in and water my plants, bring in my mail, whatever, right? To my home. Right. Because I owned my own home. I couldn't get the key back. So it went from being a strong-willed individual to cowering in a corner because you weren't sure who was going to come in the door next. Right. And I think that that's, so you touched on and something. And that, that was I the last time ever. Is critical in understanding dating space. And I think that there's a vast difference in how dating feels between men and women. And I'll tell you, I have been, so I've been single for four and a half years now or so. Um, And I have gone through ebbs and flows where I have done the online dating Um, And then there are times when things have turned me off so bad that I cannot possibly do it any longer. I have a very strong love-hate relationship with online dating. Um, I had one of my first um, forays into dating. I met a guy who we talked and chatted on the, you know, on the app. And then he had asked me to do something. I'm like, sure, let's, you know, we can have a date. We can meet up. No, he wanted me to drive across town to his house. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir, but that sounds really super murdery. And I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't meet people at their house on a first date. And he became irate. That's, I think, because most men, and I hate to generalize that, but I think a lot of times men think that once they make the connection with you online, they feel it's, their God-given right for a booty call. Right. Well, I think that there's a culture of dating apps where they were first implemented and that's what they evolved into. I met my second husband in 2008, I want to say. And the only dating app that existed, it wasn't even an app. It was like desktop. You had to have a physical computer because there weren't, I mean, smartphones really wasn't, they weren't a huge deal. So you actually had to have a computer with a desktop and you had to log in and you scrolled. There was no swiping. You read through masses of profiles until you found someone. And then you had to email back and forth. And the email went through the website. So it was totally anonymous. That was the only thing available. And then I spent nine years with my ex-husband. And so I knew, I had heard the stigma of Tinder, right? That that was supposed to be, Tinder was the hookup app. That was, you go Mm -hmm. there and you find someone that you, 
can send a text to at 10 o'clock at night. And it's like, it's like Amazon, right? Yeah. Like you're just going to put it in order and then sex is going to show up at your door two days later, right? Correct. So I was very hesitant after I got divorced to go on a dating app because that's what I knew and understood was the purpose of the dating apps. So I'm always curious as to people who are new to dating, when they go to the dating apps, are they seeing it that way or are they seeing it in a different light? Well, it's been probably since 2015 since I have been out on a date. Seven years, sister. So I don't know. Like, I know they talk about, you know, men having a seven-year itch. But it's taken this amount of time for me. And the really weird thing is, is I have a friend and she's going through her personal stuff. And I said, until you are comfortable with you in your own skin by yourself, do not get on an app. I agree wholeheartedly. So what did I do at brunch today? Um, you downloaded an app. I so did. For the for those of you listening at home, so... Chris and I have had so many conversations about this, which is why I'm like, you need to, we need to have this conversation so that other people can listen in because I feel like we get into like eight different aha moments at any given time when we are talking about our lives and our Mm -hmm. professional lives and our family lives and our everything. It's not just dating that we're talking about, but when you and I first met, mm-hmm. I was very solidly anti-dating app because I knew that wasn't my space. And I was right there with you. Yeah, I was not. Um, I have always been a big proponent of if you download a dating app and you are looking at the dating app and you are feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling confused if you're feeling any dip in your self-worth at any time because of a conversation you're having or not having, that is not the right time and place for you to be on a dating app looking for a match. I firmly believe that all the woo-woo stuff is true. Whatever energy we're putting out there is what we're gonna get back. So if you're Mm -hmm. on a dating app and you're in a pissy mood and you're swiping on people, everything's gonna be pissy. The people that you're going to match with are going to be pissy. The conversations that you're going to have are going to be pissy. Why would you do that? And I was pissy for a long time. I was just. I would say I still go through days that I'm pissy and days that I'm really ready for this. Yeah. And I think it's only because I've started to realize, and I mean, in my head, right? Like, I love romance novels. I like the Hallmark Channel. At the end of the day, all right, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. At the end of the day, no one's picking me up in a sleigh and it ain't going to snow at the end of the day. Sure. So life isn't a romance and it's going to be what I choose it to be. Going through all of the dates I've been on, the relationships I've had, I'm not closed off to love and happily ever after. Neither am I. But at the end of the day, I also know I can change my own oil. I can change my tire. I can grout if I need to. I can do anything I need to for me, but the part that I realized is missing is who's that other conversation person sitting at my dinner table? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can buy my own meal. I'm not even asking them to buy my meal. Right. I can pay for my own food. I've done it for years. I do it all the time. But that also sometimes is a turnoff. Yeah. There's a 
there's a double-edged sword there from what I have mm-hmm. seen. So I think that since I got divorced, I've had like maybe three what I would call relationships where it has been a dating situation that has um, lasted in genuine feelings that you have someone where mm-hmm. you're investing your time in them and mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, that clearly, obviously, because I'm not in any of those relationships anymore, have gone by the wayside. Um, all three of them I met on dating apps, all three of them on different dating apps. So that kind of tells me that there's not necessarily a difference, by the way. Um, and I think that I might have been working on this as well at a different point with our conversation. After my last relationship, I did a data dive. That's what you were working on when I met you. That's what I thought. The data dive. The data dive. Where I'm literally, this is how geeky I am, right? I am sitting at a bar having brunch on a Sunday, working on a spreadsheet Uh to try and figure out what the common factors were in all of my relationships and what went wrong. And I was convinced that because I had met every single man on a dating app, that that was a negative connection that I needed to change my whole game if I was going to date differently, which, God, that just, it You changed it up, fantastic. but you got me out of the deal. I did, so and I got it, Kristen. <laughs> and it sounds so beautiful, right? This idea of the meet cute, the you're going to wander in some place and sit down next to a stranger. Now, there was one time at Oso, um, which is our, our place of choice, where mm-hmm. I found myself in a situation where I ended up sitting next to a guy and talking. And I remember that he had half a beer um, left in his glass. And I had gotten a little small pitcher, which is two beers. And he spent my whole two beers finishing that half of a beer talking to me. So I, I knew he was interested. But Vanessa's ego did not let her say, hello, Nice man, let me get your phone number so that we can keep talking. Because I not only had bought into this idea that meat cutes are fantastic, but then I sabotaged the meat cute by saying, well, he's going to have to put in all of the effort because clearly I have no idea what I'm doing. And I've done the same thing. Yeah. So I was out at a different establishment in North Scottsdale and went for a gift card and a glass of wine mm-hmm. ended up hours of conversation with someone, but that I, I don't want to say spidey sense, but that lack of, Oh my gosh, how could possibly this good thing happen to me? Right. Sabotaged myself. Yeah. And well, and I think that really. you touched on the spidey sense which I think works for us and against us, mm-hmm. right? In either situation. Yeah. So there's there's the pluses and the minuses to, to both sides. If we're looking to meet somebody organically, which I think happens all the time, sure. because really it is dumb luck. It is dumb luck. It is, you go to the restaurant, you happen to sit next to that person at that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas there could have been a gentleman that was there at brunch today that was sitting at the bar, but just not sitting next to you. Correct. And so therefore the conversation doesn't start up or there are some days when they do sit next to you and 
they're with somebody, they're not having the conversation. It takes so much. It's it's almost like the perfect storm. Right. Has to happen. It it has to be the perfect scenario. And how often in our lives does the perfect scenario ever happen? It's all luck. It's all luck. But I think that dating apps are the same way. Correct. That it all happens to be where you are, what you're doing, and how many other people you've looked at, how many people are seeing you in that moment, what's their mm-hmm. attitude when they're looking at you. Our entire singlehood or couplehood depends on nothing but luck. There's nothing wrong with you and I. Nope. There's nothing wrong with the people that we are talking to. Nobody is, nope. nobody is undeserving of love. I believe that. I agree with you completely. It's just that they have shitty luck. And if anyone knows me, knows if I didn't have bad luck, I would have no luck. So that is the story of my life. Do you think that on some level, whether it's energy or not, we create our luck at all? A bit. Yeah. Because the bad is always better to easier to believe than the good. That's some fact right there. So everything I've heard, you know... I had what I considered the perfect relationship at one point. Was with the person for a long time. Mm-hmm. Circumstances ended up like we didn't stay together. Mm-hmm. That person is still near and dear to my heart. We are still very good friends years later of just reconnecting. Mm-hmm. It's like I think the perfect foundation is you need to be that friend with the person first. Before it becomes everything else. Yeah. And that's hard too. Very hard. It was over the summer at the end of the last relationship. After that, I actually reconnected with someone that I had told, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth to date right now, but I'd like to be friends with you. And if that grows into something, I absolutely friend zoned this dude. I mean, but I was open about it. Like you are hanging out in the friend zone. And I don't think that he got that. I don't think that that was what he was looking for. And I could tell that. So I just kind of had to back off and say, I think I need to just depart at this point because we're on different pages because he didn't want to be friend zoned. And I just, but that's what I needed. That's what I wanted to try and do is to see if I can be friends with someone and see if it grew because I genuinely liked the guy. But I mean, I think you have that connection Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say it was friend zoned, right? Like, Definitely not friend zone. Mm -hmm. But this was the person I could say was my best friend. This was the person at the end of the day I wanted to say I had a shitty day. This was the one that I wanted that person to say, how was your day? Or, oh, hey, you know what? I know you look like you've had a hard day, but you still really look nice today. Like it was that type where we could, I could say, you got dark circles under your eyes. You should sleep more. Like it was that honesty. So I think that one of the things that I have noticed in the dating sphere, so I don't think it's specific to age. I think that middle-aged dating is hard on a whole other level because we're just, the older we get, the more baggage we have. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think there's any negative connotation to having baggage, right? Everyone's going to have baggage. I've tried to whittle mine down from like the full set of hard-sided luggage to maybe like a respectable... Carry-on? Yeah, yeah. But we're women. Don't underestimate how much shit I can shove into a carry-on bag. 
because I would just shove that way down in there and act like it's okay. I'm trying to make it okay. But I feel like there's vast differences in how men and women approach dating. And I think that's been such a struggle for me because I think that our intentions are different. And I, I could be wrong. I have guy friends that are single that have told me what their dating life is. So you take the, the meet cute. Mm-hmm. So I had told a friend of mine, this was my strategy. And I told him that I had actually, um, at some point been out with some girlfriends and there was a guy who my friends were like, he keeps looking over here. He keeps looking over here. He keeps looking over here. So before I left, I went over and I gave him my phone number on a piece of paper, like you would if it was 1996, <laughs> right? I don't know what, and I go up to this group of gentlemen and I excuse myself. I said, I'm sorry, fellas, but if I could have a word with your friend for a moment. And I said to him, I don't know what your relationship status is. And I hear one guy in the group of friends go, he's single. <laughs> and I'm dying. I'm dying. And yeah. I said, but my name's Vanessa. This is my phone number. If you'd like to get coffee or a drink sometime, just let me know. He did not, in fact, ever let me know um, that he wanted to get a cocktail. And a friend of mine was like, don't do that. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Like, we all say that we want that. Men say that we want a woman to just take the initiative, but then they do. And it's scary. And we don't know what to do, which goes back to your point earlier of you're an independent woman. You can get your own meal. You can get your own cocktail. And men freak out about that a little bit. You're right. They do. Because they want that hallmark where it's a damsel in distress type of thing and I have to take care of her. But in the end, I don't think they truly want to take care of her. They want they want their cake and eat it too. They want to feel needed, I feel. Right. But sometimes feeling needed comes across as too needy and that scares the woman away too. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to dating, there's just no way for us to win. And I think the reason for that is we're trying to win. Yeah. Right? So like how many... What have you been told? Because I get this a lot of times. First of all, I have a really hard time with people who are coupled giving me dating advice, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they've been married for a very long period mm-hmm. of time. Like if your wedding band is older than Justin Bieber, you have no <laughs> right to tell me how to date because you have never had to try and find a partner mm-hmm. using your phone. You order pizza using your phone. I am trying to order a life partner. We are not the same. Yeah. As a divorced woman, I don't want to hear any advice from someone who's still married because they haven't gone what I've gone through. Right. And they have no perspective on my reality. I find that even single friends of mine who are women that give me advice on how to navigate the dating space. I still have a hard time with that because they're not me, but I find that there are so many different things that are prescriptive about what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. Did you ever, um, years ago after you were first divorced, did you read any of the self-helpy women's dating books? Nope. That were like the, all the rage with the sex in the city. I've never even watched Sex in the City. I don't think you're missing anything. And that is my hot take. I think that Sex in the City is bullshit. Never been a fan. 
Never been a fan. It makes me feel sad and pathetic whenever I watch Sex yeah. in the City. All I did after I was divorced was I had a good therapist who Needed. told me that until I'm comfortable in my own skin alone, I'm not ready for someone with me. But what does that even mean? I have struggled with that. What does that even mean? Because I will tell you, there have been at least three or four different times when I have felt I'm okay. I'm comfortable in my skin. I can go back into the water. And then five minutes later, I'm like, nope. <laughs> yes. So what does it mean to you to be comfortable in your own skin? I think it means being happy in every aspect of your life without that additional person there. Okay. Whether it's your job. Do you really love your job? Well, I go to my job. But you really, is it something that gives you that passion every day? Mm-hmm. Nope. So it took for me to change careers, sell my house, move across the country to finally, a year later after everything is said and done and I now have furniture in every room, to say, you know what? I'm in that spot. Interesting. Life is on my terms. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.